This is Brian Oaks, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Erskine, Minnesota. We are pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network, CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Thursday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan. We'll also hear reports from Don Wick, Sierra Doctor, and Whitney Pittman. Well, commodity and agriculture groups are applauding Congress's action to avert a rail strike. Soy Transportation Coalition Executive Director Mike Steenhook is pleased, but would have liked the railroads and their unions to have reached a deal on their own accord. You know, clearly we join many others in our desire that this, these negotiations between the railroads and the railroad worker unions would be fully conducted and concluded by the two parties that it wouldn't require government intervention to to come to a to a come to a settlement but what was clearly becoming apparent was that we were at an impasse uh, four of the 12 railroad worker unions had voted against this tentative agreement that was originally achieved in in mid-september and we were coming closer and closer to this potential date steenock says the consequences of a rail shutdown would have been devastating would be so profound for agriculture and the broader economy, that that was a, uh, a potential event that had to be prevented at all costs. And so we joined numerous other agricultural and other organizations urging Congress and the administration to intervene to prevent that from occurring. So we're, we're pleased that the House of Representatives have actually passed um, the provisions of this tentative agreement that, again, was achieved earlier, that eight of the 12 unions uh, actually have ratified, uh, four of the 12 have not. And so now the bill goes to the Senate for consideration, and we're hopeful for, for quick passage by the Senate. And that Senate is to expected to take up that measure before the end of the week. In a separate bill, on a vote of 221 to 207, the House of Representatives did pass a measure to provide seven days of paid sick leave for railroad workers, which was the main sticking point with the four railroad unions. That bill also moves on to the Senate for its consideration. The Environmental Protection Agency is proposing to increase 2023 renewable fuel blending mandates to 20.82 billion gallons. That standard moves to 21.87 billion in 2024 and then 22.68 billion gallons in 2025. Conventional biofuels like corn-based ethanol will have the volume set at 15 billion gallons next year, 15 and a quarter billion gallons in 2024 and for 2025. The National Corn Growers Association applauding the new legislation that would allow for year-round E15. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman has that story. The Fuel Retailer Choice Act was introduced in the U.S. Senate yesterday by Senators Deb Fischer and Amy Klobuchar, along with 13 bipartisan Senate co-sponsors. This bill would ensure permanent full market access to E15. National Corn Growers Association President Tom Hag says he's excited to see movement toward year-round E15 use. Senator Fisher and Senator Klobuchar have been, you know, been talking about and bringing, want to bring a bill forward, and uh, you know, we think it's a tremendous uh, accomplishment that we uh, we applaud them and also the co-sponsors that go along with uh, the people that are signing on to this bill out of the Senate. Because I know just in Minnesota alone, we have both of our senators, Klobuchar and Smith, that have uh, one is a co-sponsor and uh, and uh, Senator Smith signed on. So this is a 
a great accomplishment to get this thing started to uh, get E15 used year-round. Haig also says this will not only benefit corn growers, but small communities and consumers as well. With being corn farmers, you know, because a lot of our product goes for ethanol, so it's a, it's a win-win situation. We're using something that we grow in our own state. It's uh, renewable, and uh, it, it benefits our ethanol plants, which is, uh, you know, they're uh, in smaller towns and uh, are uh, locally, uh, you know, supporting the, the, the communities and that. And, uh, you know, just the consumer, we're giving them a, a, a better quality-grade gas, less emissions, and it's cheaper at the pump. And uh, to us, that's a win-win. Reporting for the Red River Farm Network, I'm Whitney Pittman. Federal Reserve Board Chair Jerome Powell signaling the central bank is on track to raise interest rates by a half a percentage point at its next meeting. During a speech yesterday, Powell said it would make sense to slow rate increases to give the economy time to adjust to previous rate hikes. Powell told the Brookings Institute the time for moderating the pace of rate increases may come as soon as the December meeting. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Thursday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. Well, members of the nation's largest farm cooperative are in Minneapolis for their annual meeting. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Don Wick has this preview. Randy, earlier this month, CHS reported net income for the year of $1.7 billion. That compares to $554 million in fiscal year 2021, and it is an all-time record. The energy business segment was helped by tight global supplies and strong demand. Margins were also up for the CHS grain, processing, and wholesale agronomy business. CHS's investment in CF nitrogen also delivered a financial boost to the bottom line due to the limited fertilizer supplies worldwide. The annual meeting kicks off this morning. Resolutions and a variety of breakout sessions are on tap. The general session will be held late this afternoon, and delegates will elect board members tomorrow. We'll have complete coverage during Agriculture Today. Reporting from Minneapolis and the CHS annual meeting, I'm John Wick on the Red River Farm Network. Well, protest in China has made headlines over the past few days. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Sierra Doctor has that story. Shutdowns in China due to COVID is a contributing factor to slow demand in imports for many U.S. commodities. NDSU Extension crop economist Frank Olson says China's economic slowdown is concerning. Yeah, so there's a couple of things that, that, that are going on right now. We've seen for the last 20 plus years, we've really been relying on this growth of demand base, the growth in the livestock sector in, in, in China as the, the, um, the place where we're looking for selling additional soybeans and now more recently the last couple of years selling some additional corn. And, and especially in the soybean market, that really has become the dominant market. Well, a lot of that is driven by, obviously, the size and growth of their livestock sector, in particular hogs. If people remember a couple of years ago, they had African swine fever, which really took a, a large portion of their hog herd down. They've been able to rebuild portions of that. Olson says soybean imports for the hog sector is feeling the most adverse effects. Now, as China's economy is starting to slow, and a lot of that is because of COVID and the COVID restrictions, um, their economy is not growing nearly as fast. And so that does translate then into, well, what's the growth rate in their hog industry? How much additional meat do they really want and need? Which then drives how much soybean they have to buy off the global market, how much corn they have to buy off the global market. So 
one of my longer-term concerns is what is that growth rate? And it looks as though their importation of soybeans and imports of corn are starting to flatten out. They're not growing at the rates that we normally have seen. I do think this is probably a temporary thing. It'll last for a couple years maybe, but I do think they will start to grow again. Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. Disagreement over Mexico's plan to ban GMO corn continuing. Mexican President Obrador said Mexico will stick to its plan to ban GMO corn for human consumption, but did offer to extend the deadline for livestock feed for two years. U.S. officials are threatening to initiate a trade dispute if an agreement cannot be reached. Russia ammonia fertilizer may soon find itself available on the global market. A United Nations spokesperson said the deal is close to happening that would allow the nitrogen exports to move through a pipeline to a Ukrainian port. Martinson Agris Management uh, President Randy Martinson said development of value-added agriculture like corn processing and soybean crush plants adds another avenue for farmers to sell their crops. Well, I mean, it, it, it brings another market uh, opportunity, you know, another place to sell your crop. You know, right now, you know, 70% of the beans raised up here in the Northern Plains, you know, North Dakota, Minnesota, have to be exported. Well, here, with these two plants that are coming online, we're going to be able to keep them local and have them crushed and, and utilize the oil and the meal. So it, it certainly is going to give help our basis levels. I mean, futures, it's not going to help so much because the futures market is bigger, but it certainly will help our local basis and give us another opportunity to move grain through another avenue. Martinson, one of the presenters yesterday at the Northern Ag Expo in Fargo. National FFA Foundation has a new chair for the sponsors board. Syngenta's global head of strategy and portfolio management, David Hollenrake, will lead the board for the upcoming year. Microsoft Vice President of Strategic Initiatives, Mary Snap, is the new chair-elect. Reporting Agriculture's Business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Good morning. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. To maximize success in 2023, farmers are being encouraged to look back at seed choices from this past year. DeKalb Asgro Technical Agronomist Grant Maring is looking for the hybrids and varieties that performed well. You look at all the, the, the hybrids or varieties you had in an area, what were the, the top half of the varieties or hybrids that did well? Those are the ones to keep in the area, to keep on the farm for next year. You need to keep some of the hybrids and varieties working that have always worked for you. And then you look at the ones that maybe were just a little lackluster and you start picking up a seed guide, you go to winter meetings and you see the data and you try to pick out your one or two new varieties, hybrids in whatever crop you're looking at and see these are the ones I want to try because they might start chinking me up in yield or agronomics on the farm. After reviewing seed decisions, Maring urges farmers to try something new. You want to do things differently next year, one or two things that are free and easy. They just take your time, your attention. And then you want to try one or two things that might cost you some money, such as, you know, in corn, a late season fungicide, or in soybeans, maybe a second pass of fungicide for, for white mold. Uh, we could go on and on. But think about that new practice for next year, both a free one and, and a monetary one, that'll kind of keep moving that yield up on the farm. Well, grain markets continued its back-and-forth trading action. Northern Crops Marketing and Investments President Brad Paulson says slow demand is the main reason for this range-bound trade. Demand is kind of slow for everything still. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll see new numbers here on the next crop report is December 9th, which is a week from this coming Friday. So it's coming up pretty fast, and uh, you know, 
they still got pretty big numbers on the export side, which all have to be trimmed, and especially corn and including beans and wheat, too. Traders will also be watching for any hiccups out of South America. Argentina did get some unexpected rain overnight, but it wasn't a huge area. Also, uh, central Brazil had almost too much rain. We had some landslides and some issues with some blocked roads. That's the other thing that's giving being some support. One of the main roads to the Paranagua export terminal was uh, was damaged in a landslide, and it was unknown how long it's going to take them to get it open again. But uh, other reports say that the terminals there are, are full of beans, so it's not an issue right now. It's not during harvest either, so it, it's probably a little overdone. Checking markets this morning, we're down five in the Minneapolis wheat, five to six in the winter wheats, corn's down a couple of pennies, soybeans, we're down 12 cents here right now across the board. On the farm calendar, the uh, Ag Horizons Conference continues today. That's at the Ramcota River Center uh, at Pier- in Pierce, South Dakota. Again, that wraps up this afternoon. Also, the Canola Symposium in Minnesota, that uh, is today at Roseau at the Roseau Community Center. And uh, CHS's annual meeting underway or gets underway today in Minneapolis. Uh, runs today and uh, through out through the tomorrow as well. And be listening for coverage from that from Don Wick. Well, thanks for joining us this morning. Have a great day. This is the Red River Farm Network. <laughs>